fear doesn't stand in shambles. Fabulous. Good morning. Today is a different day at First Baptist Church of Sandy Springs. Like many churches across our nation and this world, we've reluctantly chosen to worship online only today and for the unforeseeable future. I'm preaching to an empty church. We miss you. I want to thank Steve for being here to film, Jeannie for all she does with audiovisual, Michael for setting everything up. And I want to thank those that have called to wish us well and see what they can do. And my friend Cheryl texted last night to see how she could continue giving, tithing during a time like this. And the best way, honestly, for our members is just doing that on mail to the church. First Baptist Sandy Springs, 650 Mount Vernon Highway, Northeast, Sandy Springs, Georgia, 30328. Obviously, if you've lost your job, you're out of work, that doesn't apply to you, but for those that are in that habit, obedient in that way, we thank you for asking. I want to thank you for watching today. I hope you have your Bible with you. A pen and paper might be a good idea so you can write down scripture that I use today. I want to shout out to friends in Mississippi and in Indiana and our First Baptist Church of Sandy Springs family today. Before the sermon, we need to join together in praying for President Trump and all who are in positions of leadership in our country and around the world. We need to pray for health care workers and first responders and all who are ministering to the sick. We need to pray for small businesses that are struggling. Pray for parents that are now homeschool teachers. Praying for churches that are finding creative ways to minister in these times. We need to pray for revival in this world that needs it. These are great days to share our faith in this crazy world. We pray that you have opportunity. Let's pray together. Lord, I think of doctors and nurses, janitors, transport drivers, folks at the grocery stores, the gas stations, the drug stores that are still open. And I pray for their divine protection. I pray for the small business owners that are concerned, those that are laid off, those that are in the position to make decisions, not only for our country, but for our world, Father. We pray for your divine guidance and leadership. Lord, I pray a special blessing on each one that watches Lord, that you would fill them with peace in difficult times and that our fear would have no chance whatsoever. To the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Today I'm going to talk about peace. And I'm so thankful that in the midst of this storm, or any storm for that matter, I can have peace. You can have peace as well if you're a believer. If you're watching this today and you're not a believer, you'll never have peace until Jesus becomes your Savior. And so you need to do that. Do that today. But for the rest of us, for the saved, our peace is not automatic, honestly. We have to work at it. I know that sometimes even the upright can get uptight. And so if you're uptight or you know someone who is, this is for you. Today we're going to look at two sections of scripture. 
one New Testament story, a beautiful truth about peace from the Old Testament. We begin with a very familiar story that many of you know. Jesus and his disciples had just finished feeding the crowd of 5,000 plus with five loaves and two fish. Things are winding down. Jesus is sending the disciples on their way when he disperses the crowd. We pick up the story in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, beginning at verse 22. So Matthew 14, if you've got your Bible, turn there, beginning at verse 22. It says, after the feeding of the 5,000, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking towards them on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, Peter became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached down his hand and caught him, saying, to Peter, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped Jesus, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. I chose this story to begin with because I think we can all relate. At times, we may feel like we are sinking. We feel like we're about to lose it. This story is clearly shows the problem that we have today and the answer that is there for us today. It shows us the way to sink and the way to rise above it all. Peter, like many of us, was one who spoke first and thought second. He saw Jesus walking on the water and he thought to himself, I'd really like to do that too. So he said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come on. So he got out of the boat and he's walking on the water. This was a great triumph for Peter. Remember before he became a disciple of Jesus, he was a fisherman. Now that would be a great skill for a fisherman to have, to walk on water, and he's got to be thrilled. All is right with the world, and it's a wonderful day, and the 11 guys behind him are watching, and their mouths have dropped open, and he's walking on water. And then, whammo. Everything changes. Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus. And we know he did that because of verse 30 of Matthew 14. If you've got your Bible, see what it says. When he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Here's something I want you to remember today. Look for Jesus, and keep looking to Jesus. At first, Peter looked to Jesus, but the only problem was he he stopped looking. He changed his focus 
He looked at the trouble around him. And the principle is clear, especially when life is a tumultuous storm as it is now. Look for Jesus and keep looking to Jesus. If today you're watching the news more than you're reading God's word, there's a good chance you'll sink. If today you're talking more about the coronavirus than you're praying about it, you might be sick. Keep your eyes on Jesus and you'll be fine. Fear will sink you. You'll panic and there'll be no peace. When Jesus reached and pulled him up, we're told that Jesus said, you have little faith, why do you doubt? You might feel like you have little faith. Not enough, not strong enough. And if you're sinking because of your little faith, I want you to thank God of your little faith today. Because a little faith is better than no faith at all. With a little faith, Peter walked on water. If you're a person of faith, these days are a great opportunity for you to grow. When you grow in Christ, you'll learn that the peace in the life of a believer is not contingent on circumstances. You can have peace no matter what. I have a dear friend this week that's in hospice and not far from heaven, although he's doing pretty good right now. No pain, surrounded by people he loves. But because of his faith, He's at peace in the midst of the biggest storm in life. He's at peace. Corey Ten Boom, who lived in difficult times in a Nazi concentration camp, said this. If you look at this world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. That's good stuff. Let me say that again so you can write that one down. If you look at this world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. This world is distressing. Trying to deal with this by myself on my own is depressing. I can't fix this. But looking to Jesus, I can be at rest. Several years ago, on Black Friday, day after Thanksgiving, my wife and I were in Indiana, Clarksville, Indiana, just north of Louisville. And my wife went shopping. She was in Dillard's, and as a good husband, I waited in the car. She bought 16 purses. Yes, I said 16. And when she came out of Dillard's, I watched her carrying two monstrous bags filled with purses. I could probably find the parking spot I was in. I remember it so vividly. And I had a choice that day. I could drive off and leave her there. I could pick a fight because she bought so many purses. I could insist she turn around and go and return everything and apologize to the clerk for making such a crazy purchase. But instead, I chose to laugh and to smile. And now before you think Jeannie's gone crazy and I'm an enabler, you need to know this about this story. I have information you do not have. That's important to remember. I have some information that you do not have. See, the information that I have is she bought them on clearance. They were half off, and then they were 60% off of that, and then she had a coupon for more off, and then they were just dirt cheap. But she bought them to sell on eBay. She stood in Dillard's, and she used her iPhone, and she found out what they were selling for online. And she thought, I can make money on this one. That's the reason 16 purses. I love my wife. She goes shopping on Black Friday to 
And so let me apply it. When Jesus tells us, do not let your hearts be troubled, don't let them be afraid. Or when Jesus tells us, don't worry about anything. We need to know that he has information that we do not have. God's guiding us. And we need to trust him. So today, remember to set your eyes on Jesus. And when we set our eyes, we also set our minds. We're going to think about what we're looking at. And in the Old Testament, there's a great truth about setting our mind on God and getting not just peace, but perfect peace. It's found in Isaiah chapter 26. So if you have your Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter 26. We look just at the first three verses. Verse 1. On that day, on that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up victory like walls and Open the gate so that the righteous nation that keep faith may enter in. Those of steadfast mind you keep in peace, in peace, because they trust in you. Verse 1, there's some debate about the phrase, on that day. If you're looking at your Bible in verse 1, on that day. Some say it refers to the second coming of Christ, which I find highly unlikely because the first coming of Christ hasn't come yet. Jesus wouldn't occur, come for 700 more years. The book of Isaiah was written in 700 BC. The best interpretation for all that day is the day of salvation, the day when you know God, when we come to know God. If today you're a Christian, that day has already come for you. It's come for me. But what happens next after salvation is so fabulous? A song will be sung. What's the song about? We're still in verse 1. We have a strong city. He sets up victory like walls and bulwarks. This song is about protection. Almighty God protects us like a fortified city. As a Christian, you have security because of your salvation. One modern translation puts it this way. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. In the days of Isaiah, the people found security in the fortified walls of cities. Remember that the strong city of Jericho was destroyed when? When the walls came tumbling down. And so the reader of these words in the 7th century B.C. knew that their protection from the attacks of the Assyrians or the Babylonians depended on strong fortified walls. Isaiah is now trying to convince them that God wants to be that protection for his people and he still wants. In today's language, we might say that God is our bulletproof vest, our vaccination, our retirement plan, our safety net, our hazmat suit. You get the picture. We are surrounded, God's people, by the walls of his salvation. The point is repeated throughout God's word about him being with us. Romans 8, 38 and 39 tells us this. Romans 8, 38 and 39. I am convinced that neither death or life or angels or rulers or things present or things to come or powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are secure. Psalms 46, you know this one well. The first two verses, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change and it Though the mountains shake in the hearts of the sea, everything changes. God is our refuge. 
Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, so I am helped. And my heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to him, no matter the circumstance. Now back to Isaiah 26, 2. Open the gates so that the righteous nation that keep faith may enter in. God opens his floodgates. This verse tells us the way to the city, the way to that protection. We're permitted to enter into God's presence. Our way to salvation is Jesus Christ. Remember these words from John chapter 10, verse 9, the first part. Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Again, the entrance. So once we have access to salvation, we have a tremendous promise in verse 3 of Isaiah chapter 26. Those of steadfast mind, you keep in peace. In peace because they trust in you. In another translation, it's put this way. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. God has the power here, not you, not me. God will keep you in perfect peace, not just peace, but perfect peace. The literal translation is peace, peace. In Hebrew, it's shalom, shalom. And the word shalom means safety and wellness and happiness, at peace, at rest. It means you're whole. It means you're well. And in Isaiah 23, it's times two. God will do that for you. But there's one condition. You've got to keep your mind on Him. You must understand that the God that created this universe is able to do anything and to care for us through anything. In 1958, Lucy Kuhn was 19. And he won second place in the first international Tchaikovsky piano competition. Van Cliburn, who might be a familiar name to you, won the contest. And Li Shikun returned, returned to China. And he became an established concert pianist there. During the Cultural Revolution of the 60s, he was imprisoned for refusing to renounce the music of the Western world that he loved so much. In prison, he was beaten. He sat in a tiny cell for six years. No piano, no pencil, no paper. At the same time, Richard Nixon was trying to build a relationship in the 70s now with China. And Lou was let out of prison as a propaganda. In fact, he was ordered in 1973 to perform in Peking with the Philadelphia Orchestra. Six years in prison, never around a piano. And to everyone's surprise, he played flawlessly. Again, he had not seen a piano in six years. And the question was asked, how can you play like that after six years? And he said he practiced every day in his cell for hours at a time in his mind. What are you doing with your mind? Keep your eyes on Jesus and keep your mind on Jesus and your fear will have you. Block out the crazy speculation that's going on and use these as teaching moments these times. Parents, 
Teach your children about prayer and about Jesus. And together as a family, worship together at home. For all of us, we need to pray and pray and pray some more. And when I began, I gave you a good list of folks to pray for. Share your faith with those around you and be a light in this dark world. We'll end with a blessing and a benediction from Philippians 4. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. God bless.